0: Stand back! There's a hurricane coming through! The best there is, the best there was, and the best there ever will be! To be
1: the man, you gotta beat the man! You know some up, me, Gene? Raw is... It? Jericho! It doesn't know what your name is? Austin 316 says I just whipped your ass! It's the time! How much wood could a woodchuck chuck if a woodchuck could chuck wood? You're welcome. For the benefit of those with flash photography, if mm-hmm.
0: you can survive, if I let you. And welcome back to the Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast. I'm your host John, joined as always by my good friend and co-host Rob. How you doing, folks? Got some stuff to talk about here. Rob was. Uh, pre-taped, but we managed to avoid spoilers and feel like it was a real show, I guess. Um, I think both of us agreed, not a ton of storyline advancement. I guess they were going out to Australia for, you know, a tour out there. uh, So I guess they probably rushed the writing on this one. But we had some good stuff with uh, Vince being in the ring with Daniel Bryan uh, between SmackDown and Raw. We also had some stuff with AJ and Dolph Ziggler. Uh, we got Del Rio picking his opponent for money or uh, for Summerslam. Some stuff with Damien Ro- or Damian Sandow and Cody Rhodes. And what else do we want to jump on? Maybe some Total Divas and some uh, Wyatt Family.
1: Uh, we absolutely have to talk about the Wyatt Family. Um, and and just a just a thought, you know, when Raw is in um, England, it has a... It has a certain feel to it. You know, they brand it. The crowd is a little different. When the show is in Canada, it's a little different. It has, you know, has a feel to it. Um, I don't know. Uh, I guess Raw Raw was taped?
0: Yeah. It wasn't actually in Australia.
1: Okay. All right. So... I believe it was why, in Texas. Why wouldn't... That's that's right. Why, why wouldn't they have it... Um, you know, taped from Australia.
0: Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, if they're going to tape the show anyway, why not tape it there? Right. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they just feel like the crowd's not going to be tracking well enough.
1: Yeah, maybe not.
0: Maybe they don't get enough ratings out there to to feel like that they would track with the storylines and get the reactions that they want.
1: Yeah, that's possible. I figured, you know, for for all the weird crowds they have in different places around the United States, they may as well, uh, you know have a, a feel from down under,
0: right? Yeah, totally. I, I think a lot of people would love to see that. Uh, yeah. But I'm guessing what I said is probably along the lines of it. But yeah. either way, uh, they're out there doing house shows. I guess we'll be back live next week. Um, so let's jump right into Vince and Daniel Bryan, John Cena. Um, to me, the thing that stood out, especially with the beginning of Raw, was that Vince got to be in the, the ring, you know, in the center of the arena there, feeling the full force of the yes, yes, yeses. Yeah, it's, it's
1: always it's always an interesting night when uh, when Vince McMahon is not only on camera, but actually, you know, does the whole strut down to the ring and you yeah. know, has has something more than just, you know, an announcement to make.
0: Yeah, and did you notice that he went back to his old hairstyle too? Kind of harkened back to the Attitude Era a little bit there.
1: Yeah, I'd, I'd be curious to hear what Donald Trump thinks. You know, he, he's the one that uh, he's the one that made Vince shave his head in the first place.
0: Yeah, definitely. But, uh, um, but, yeah, I think him being in the center of the ring to hear that kind of ovation that Daniel Bryan gets, uh, that's got to have an impact on him. I mean, I know he does what he wants probably at the end of the day, but, I mean, that's got to be pretty cool for a guy like Bryan to be there in the center of the ring with, you know, the, the king of wrestling and getting that reaction.
1: Yeah, and it's safe to say that you probably feel the same way I do, that uh, the comments that Vince McMahon is, is making, you know, about how he doesn't fully believe in Daniel Bryan, um, you would say that, that there's probably a lot of truth to that, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think they're definitely bringing in, you know, this goes along with kind of the trend that we, we feel like we've been seeing a little bit with, like, the reality TV-type aspects Um that there is some dose of reality to what he's saying. It's not all just kayfabe, Mr. McMahon character.
1: Yeah, so so maybe he did, you know, actually want to be out there and kind of feel the reaction for himself.
0: Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, he certainly it would be wise to hear that reaction, to be informed of it, you know. It's one thing to be in the back, but it's, it's got to be a totally different thing to be in the, in the ring during that. And uh, I really liked what he said about Cena walking around like he owns the place, you know, I think that's along the same lines, too, what you were getting at. Uh, That's got to be some shred of truth in there. I mean, who knows what percentage.
1: Right, right. And and I I certainly think that, uh, you know, a lot of people within the company and outside the company probably view John Cena as being more important than Vince McMahon at this point. And, you know, that hasn't happened since you had somebody like Triple H or when The Undertaker was running a full schedule. So I fully think that, you know, there's a little bit of truth to that there, that Vince's ego has probably taken a little bit of hit from the way John Cena is perceived, even though it's great for business. Um, The part that, you know, probably takes it one step further and certainly goes into fiction is when Vince McMahon was backstage later in the show, and claims that he wants someone to beat John Cena.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, going along the lines of what you were initially saying, that you know there is there's got to be some truth to the amount of power that he wields, and because I think you really have seen a few different instances, and I'm sure you know the hardcore fans will feel like it happens constantly, but. You know, I think sometimes Cena winning in a match where you felt like he wasn't supposed to is, is okay, but there's been other times where it's like it's been glaringly obvious he shouldn't have won. I mean, the one that jumps out is Extreme Rules uh, against Brock Lesnar. You know, and you just wonder, was that a power play from Cena? Did did he did he make that happen? Did, did Vince actually want Brock to win? Um but he's kind of hamstrung by, you know, kowtowing to John Cena.
1: Yeah, and I, I think the Brock Lesnar match at Extreme Rules is probably, it's an interesting one. Um, but I, I think I think there's probably more of, more of that going on than uh, than I probably realized or, you know, had kind of considered. I mean, back in the day, I think a lot of people would acknowledge that um, Shawn Michaels and Triple H. You know, along the way, have, have probably held some people back, um, have have kept people from reaching their full potential, whether or not you know they ended up winning a world title or not. Uh, certainly, Booker T at, at WrestleMania one year against Triple H, I think, is a is a prime example. And and I think I think a lot of people are uh, are pretty quick to be able to jump on the bandwagon and say, yeah, I I totally believe that. But I think uh, I think less. Um, a a smaller percentage of WWE Universe would be willing to think, yeah, okay, maybe John Cena has some of that happen too. Maybe he does play politics a little bit too. But uh, I I could see that. I could see that being the case.
0: Yeah, you figure he has to. I mean, he has to have some sort of power backstage at this point. Um, He's been on top for so damn long. Uh, By all accounts, anybody that's had the success that he's had was kind of running s for a little bit there. Uh, Like Hulk Hogan towards the end of his WWF run, things like that. Um, So, uh, but, you know, nonetheless, we still have a match here going on uh, between Brian and Cena. Uh, And, you know, it feels like maybe Vince is is positioning himself as the heel in this um, because you don't really have a heel between Cena and Brian and neither of them are really doing healers things towards each other. Um, I don't know, what, what do you think about that theory? Does it look like that's what, what Vince is doing?
1: Uh, I, I think so, because I think you have to add some sort of level of tension in there. And I think, you know, Daniel Bryan being a great competitor and John Cena not backing down from an opponent, and the fact that John Cena actually picked him as an opponent, um, he can't, you know, it, it's not one of these situations where Daniel Bryan was named the number one contender. It's not like Daniel Bryan won a match and suddenly he earned that spot. Yeah. Um, if, if one of those situations were the case, you could have a situation where John Cena could show signs that he's intimidated by Daniel Bryan, that he's afraid he's going to lose, right. and that he wants to figure out you know, how he's going to be able to retain his title. But you can't really do that now that John Cena is the one that picked him. So you have to have some level of tension inserted there. And I think, I think you're right. I think that's exactly what they're using Vince McMahon for.
0: Yeah, and, and it's, it's curious because we still see Triple H and Stephanie jumping into the fray. Uh, we qu- don't quite know where they're going to fit in. I mean, I think we need to assume at this point that they're going to fit in somehow. Uh, we still have, like, three Raws to SummerSlam. Um, you know, Triple H came out and was like, you know, uh, you know, uh, he was like, Vince was laughing about Brian as the champ. You know, he's like, I want someone that can be John Cena. And, uh, you know, he's saying, I want someone like you, Triple H, but just 23 years younger. Right. Um, to which Triple H kind of clenched his teeth and didn't really have a comeback for. Yeah. Uh it took
1: Stephanie to jump in and say, you know, let's not start talking about people's ages here or something.
0: Right, exactly. So I think obviously we're setting up, as has been hinted for a long time, a showdown between Triple H and McMahon. I'm wondering how much this feud becomes about that, you know, how much this Cena-Brian match becomes about that feud. Uh, do we think it's, it's going to remain on the outside, or do, do we think by the time SummerSlam rolls around, Sides will be, or you know, lines will be drawn. Sides will be chosen. Where, if you're rooting for Daniel Bryan, you support Triple H's decision or direction for the company. If you're rooting for John Cena, actually, God, then you wouldn't be rooting for Vince's direction now, would you?
1: Right. I, you I might be
0: rooting for Stephanie's direction at that point. I, I don't know.
1: Maybe I, I think I think what they would almost have to do is have a situation where Randy Orton inserts himself in, um, and probably not. At SummerSlam, it would probably have to be after SummerSlam, um, because at this point, I think if Randy Orton becomes part of the match, you know, I think, I think it kind of derails a lot of things, and um, I think you're gonna have a lot of ill will come, you know, in the WWE universe, because um, you know, even if you make it a, a three-way match, just adding Randy Orton, I think. I think at that point, it's still... It seems watered down at that point. Yeah. And I think taking Daniel Bryan completely out of the match is just... um,
0: Yeah, I think you'd have a full-on revolt if this is anything but Cena versus Bryan. Right. Um, But I wonder, you know, it is interesting that you bring up Randy Orton because he could conceivably be that ideal that Mintz is talking about. I mean, obviously, he's not 23 years younger than Orton, but but he was in kayfabe since the the young guy compared to Triple H in Evolution, right?
1: Right. Right, so I mean, I, I could see I could see Vince completely backing Randy Orton and, uh, you know, after SummerSlam, you know, right. that being the situation.
0: Uh, he's also given props to the Shield at times. Yep. So.
1: Yeah, I... Uh, I don't know how that necessarily fits in, except to say that uh, Vince is kind of picking his teams. And quite honestly, I I would love it if this would keep up, you know, over the span of the next few months, and we could actually have a legitimate um, storyline going into Survivor Series.
0: Yeah, I I can totally see it happening that way.
1: I mean, how great would that be to have one of the Survivor Series matches be... Randy Orton and The Shield against, you know, John Cena, Daniel Bryan, and uh, a couple other guys.
0: Right. Yeah, I could totally see that happening, and hopefully they would do it like an old-school Survivor Series rules, too, with eliminations and all that. Yep. Um, and I could totally see that happening, because it seems like they've they've tried to get back to some of their roots here, um, you know, with pushing... Pushing younger talent, you know, uh, the submissions, you know, just various things. It seems like they're harking back to old school a little bit more. They're having longer matches on Raw, uh, so I could, I feel like that Triple H's influence could easily push them to, to have that classic Survivor Series match too. And I think that would be awesome because Survivor Series has kind of felt watered down for a few years.
1: Yeah, a little bit, a little bit, and they definitely got away from the traditions that they. Uh... They had started, and I think I think maybe one or two of the last few years they uh, they had more of the four on four matches or the five on five matches. Yeah. Um, and I'd like to see them do more and more of that because I think, you know, you have uh, the Wyatt family that we're going to talk about a little bit later. I think they would, you know, be a great team in uh, the Survivor Series. Um, and I think I think with Triple H, you've you've started to see more of a uh, focus on the tag teams, and uh, Survivor Series is just a you know a natural extension of that.
0: Yeah, know. absolutely. And you've had a lot of three man teams, you know, popping up over the last year. Obviously with three man band, right? Um, the Wyatt's, the Shield. Uh, you saw, you know, now you're seeing the Usos with Mark Henry. I don't know how long that's going to stick around, right? Um, but yeah, clearly they're pairing guys up, and they've they've paired them up in threes more than once here. So yeah. you could easily see that setting the stage for some more traditional Survivor Series matches.
1: Absolutely, because it's not it's not that hard to go from three guys to uh to four guys.
0: You know, yeah, obviously
1: you have to find you have to find some kind of link there, but it, it shouldn't shouldn't be too hard. And
0: we need a three-man man face run. Damn it. Oof.
1: <laughs> yeah, I don't know that I'm on board with that, but...
0: Uh, yeah, they've been jobbed out a little too much, but look, the Usos uh, have risen from the dead. There you I, go. I can't 3 mb
1: Yeah, and, and I will admit, uh, back when Jinder Mahal was doing his thing, I, I, I thought he was pretty cool. Um, he wasn't the greatest in the ring, but he's certainly not the worst. And uh, he, I, I don't think you'll hear me giving uh, Heath Slater too much praise, but, man, uh, Drew McIntyre, I, I, I bought in... I bought in back in the day. Uh, you know, I, I don't know that I ever thought he was going to be a world champion, but uh, I thought, thought he was a good choice to lead the Intercontinental Division, whenever that was.
0: Right. Well, speaking of uh, Heath Slater, he was on, or he was in the Nexus with uh, another guy that we want to talk about a little bit, Skip Sheffield, now known as Ryback. Uh, Ryback. I, believe, I believe you made a post... Uh, on our Facebook page uh, about his little backstage segment. What did you think about that?
1: Well, I thought it, I thought it was an interesting segment when it started. You know, you had guys in the catering. They're not guys that we know about. You know, it's not it's not your typical uh, referee back there getting something to eat. You know, it's it's not uh, another WWE legend that's you know hanging around backstage or a road agent, or whatever.
0: Yeah, they tried to make this guy look like he came off the street.
1: Yeah. And, you know, Ryback kind of shoulders his way in. You know, it's kind of a jerk, whatever. So I thought that part was okay. And then, you know, he, he shoves whatever that casserole was in the guy's face and gets it stuck in his ear and it looks all awkward. And, you know, he intimidates that guy and whatever. I mean, that's, uh, you know, I, I can deal with that. I mean, that's, that's some good character development on Ryback's part. You know, he's bullying some guy that clearly has no chance of doing anything to him.
0: Gives a new meaning to cauliflower ear, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah
0: Take Potato anyway.
1: salad ear, right? Um, right. But then, then I felt like it took they took it a little too far, and you know I can I can deal with um, you know people beating up people backstage, you know like Austin beating up Bret Hart backstage, you know getting into an ambulance and hitting him in there, you know I I, I can deal with you know Kane and Edge doing crazy stuff backstage to each other running all around the arena but on in this segment we had Ryback attack a guy whose name we don't even know whose name we'll likely never know in what in what essentially boils down to assault right 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 i mean if i did that to somebody at my work i'd be hauled off to jail yeah like, I mean, so so I, I just, I don't, I, I don't personally like it. Hopefully, I mean,
0: if you did that at, at work, it would be filmed and on YouTube.
1: Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, I, I would make sure that if, uh, if I had <laughs> ended up doing that, I would set up my phone and...
0: <laughs> Turn your iPhone on.
1: Right. Yeah, but I, I think to me, you know, it's okay to suspend disbelief, right? Mm, yeah. I mean, there's all these things that happen in wrestling that, you know, would potentially kill somebody, maim somebody, right. you know, get them paralyzed. But when you have a situation like this, it just it feels like someone should be calling the police. Like, if right. I mean, obviously, well, would
0: you have been okay if they followed up later in the broadcast and had that kid come out with a pair of police officers?
1: Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Because at at that point, at that point, you're you're adding another touch of realism to it. In fact, I would like that more than if they would have just scrapped it all together and not had the segment.
0: Yeah, I hear you. I mean, it was definitely a little odd. Um, And the reason I can agree with it being odd is that when I was watching it, you know, it's very kind of tense. Uh, You're putting yourself in that kid's position where this, you know, hulk of a man is, like, in your face and there's really nothing you can do. Right. Um, And then you know, you figure it's over at some point when the kid's not saying anything, and he got slapped around a few times, and then out of nowhere he power bombs him through the table, which I admit, right. you know, I was slapping my knee and chortling, but, you know, the, it, it definitely caught me by surprise, which, you know, leads me to believe, I agree with you, that it was kind of out of the ordinary. Uh, uh, and, yeah, I mean, I, I think you're right. I definitely don't think they should be doing that, but... uh. It probably would have been better if he had come out later with the police. Because I think if you want to paint Ryback as this just unrepentant heel, then he should be, like, arrested at some point. I think that would be good for his character.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, if, if the guy's not going to show up with police later in the show, then I think maybe what you do is you just have Ryback take his huge hand and smack the dude in the face again, only this time not have food, and just knock him to the floor. Because, you know... Some dude that gets smacked in the face really hard, you know, enough to knock him to the floor, he's probably not going to call the police over that. But I guarantee you that just about anybody who gets slammed through a table, knocked unconscious, the police are getting involved.
0: Right. Through that entire spread, all that food.
1: Yeah. Because, you know, there are certain offenses that you have to press charges for something to happen. But there are other offenses that happen where it doesn't matter if a person presses charges or not, it's illegal to do it. Yeah. And I, I just I feel like this was one of those situations.
0: Yeah, I hear you. There's, there's really not any way I can defend it.
1: Yeah, and, and I feel like, you know, there was an opportunity when Ryback met up with Vicky backstage after Vicky got fired. I felt like there was an opportunity for Brock or for Ryback to not take a step back at that point. Um, You know, by potentially aligning himself with her and for her to give him all these opportunities to kind of make himself into more of a monster or, you know, maybe he didn't even need her assistance. I don't don't know. That's probably a a topic for a different day. Yeah. But I feel like he keeps taking steps back. Um, I felt like he probably shouldn't have been in a tables match with John Cena on this card, you know, this week because essentially... You know what did he have to gain from that? He's not winning that match. He clearly didn't win the match.
0: I mean, yeah, I think he's just been positioned at this point as an enhancement heel. You know, that he's a guy that's intimidating enough to beat anyone on the roster, including John Cena. Uh, But they can let him just be. They can let guys beat him. You know, and it's like it doesn't really matter because he's so big that it would be perfectly believable if he goes on a winning streak eventually. So I, I'm guessing they don't even have a storyline for him, and that and they're just kind of using him willy-nilly like that.
1: Yeah, I guess. It just it seems like after after everything that's happened, you know, there's there's no reason for me to get excited about seeing John Cena face Ryback. I mean, it's it's certainly not something new at this point. It's not something where I feel like John Cena's title reign is in uh, is in danger of ending. I mean, I I, I feel like you know. Was there any thought in your mind on Monday that John Cena was going to lose to Ryback?
0: No, but I think I think the deal is that you just you're not going to have Daniel Bryan and John Cena fight each other. Right. So they got to fight somebody. Yeah. Uh, and they went ahead and gave us the Daniel Bryan Kane matchup that we assumed was all along was going to be a big deal at a pay per view, and they just like knocked it out now.
1: Yeah. Because there's we're, really,
0: you know, they, they got to have Bryan face somebody.
1: Yeah, I was about to ask if you were surprised that Daniel Bryan was, was fighting Kane, but uh, I'd, I'd be shocked if you weren't a little surprised that they did that they just threw this match out there.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think in general with that show, there were two, two matchups. You know, there was Kane and Bryan and Dolph Ziggler and Big E that we expected were going to be like long-running feuds that would culminate at SummerSlam or some other pay-per-view, uh, and they just threw them both on that show. Yeah, a pre-recorded raw, nonetheless.
1: Right, right. So, so,
0: one that they knew spoilers were going to get out. You know, it's like almost like they said, "F it, <laughs> let's let's uh, let's start knocking these feuds out."
1: Right. So, so I guess two questions. One, uh, and, and it's essentially the same question, only with two different uh, two different topics. Um, do you feel like they're still going to have Ziggler versus Big E happen at Summerslam?
0: I have no idea. In fact, you know, I definitely have some thoughts about this feud. But, I mean, the way Dolph Ziggler has been positioned as somebody of importance, he he certainly has to have a match. Right. Uh, so I don't really see how it could go anyway other than facing Big E at this point.
1: Right. Yeah, and I, I, think, I think even the way they kind of did things, I think it still leads to you know, the possibility that they'll have a match. Um, and then, I guess the second question would be, you know, obviously Daniel Bryan's, you know, dance card is already is already full for uh, SummerSlam, but do you feel like um, maybe the pay-per-view after, I guess it's called Battleground now, um, do you feel like for the next pay-per-view there in, in uh, I guess September would be the next pay-per-view? Um, after SummerSlam, do you feel like we could see Daniel Bryan versus Kane at that pay-per-view?
0: No, I think Kane's clearly going to be in some sort of situation with the Wyatts. Um, and I don't know that that's going to involve Daniel Bryan.
1: See, my thought on that was that potentially, and I we could probably talk about this later in the show when we talk about uh, the Wyatts and Kane, but uh, I'm just going to throw it out there that I think I think they could potentially have a match, but uh, well let's let's come back to that. Um, yeah. you, you started to say something that I that I thought was a little interesting, and it, it just so happens that you had posted something on uh, on our Facebook page about this as well. Um, Dolph Ziggler, um, what are your thoughts about how he's being used right now?
0: Well, um, you know I, I I think he's doing a lot of good things. Um, I had always kind of been iffy on his mic work. You know, I think clearly in the ring he's compelling to watch. Uh, I like his moveset and everything. You know, he puts on good matches. But, you know, he didn't get a whole lot of opportunity to be on the mic over the last year or two. And when I would hear him, like, eh, I don't know if he could pull it off. But then on SmackDown, they gave him a whole ton of time uh, with AJ in the ring. You know, and she was trying to give, like, the State of AJ address or something, and he interrupts it, and uh, she's got his luggage, you know, and starts whipping out his driver's license and all this, and he starts laying out some one-liners that really, to me, flowed naturally. I thought I thought he did a great job. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but, I mean, I, several of them made me laugh out loud.
1: Yeah, there was, there was definitely the one about uh, where she talks about she has his keys to his house, and... He says, oh, that's no big deal. I've had the locks changed. You know, I have. I do it all the time. And, in fact, uh, I've changed the locks twice since yeah, you got the
0: key. Exactly.
1: Yeah.
0: And then she starts cutting up the license, and he's like, a day at the DMV would be a picnic compared to a day with you.
1: Yeah.
0: Including if we were on an actual picnic.
1: Right, right. Yeah. That, that last little part definitely, uh, definitely got a laugh out of me.
0: Absolutely. Right. And then the other one that I really liked was uh, the Passport. He's like, you know, the, there's a password girl is down the street from me and actually she owes me a favor, you know, cuz I, I taught her this one thing where you put the leg behind the head and Oh, oh wait, yeah. Right.
1: Yeah, and <laughs> yeah, he he was like, "Oh yeah, that that's not PG."
0: Right. Yeah. So, I yeah. mean, he had a bunch of great lines there and he delivered them all very naturally. So, you know, my question here is, you know, they're trying to set this up where Dolph's face obviously and AJ's just a psychopathic heel. But I don't know that it's going to resonate with the people that it should resonate with, with women in particular. Because I think Dolph, you know, he's attractive. Uh, he does the show-off thing. You know, he's trying to be a flirt whatever. Um, I think he's meant to appeal to women, you know, of a certain demographic. And I think him treating AJ like crap and her, you know, kind of legitimately being upset, you know, it's not really that illegitimate that she's upset. Um, I don't know that that's going to generate a good face turn for him. You know, I think it's... <sighs> but at the same time, I feel like it does match, match his personality, which right. is why I delivered those lines so flawlessly.
1: Yeah.
0: But if we're trying to make him a full-on face, uh, you know, I think he's going to be a, end up being a tweener at best. Like, like maybe like a Val Venus, you know?
1: Yeah, and, and I think... Honestly, I think there's two things you're... You're kind of discrediting here uh, when it when it comes to the women. First of all, I think uh, I think you're forgetting the college days, John. Um, if you're thinking that women
0: are Lord going, knows i lost enough brain cells to forget the college days. Well,
1: yeah, uh, you and me both. But uh, I think you're forgetting the fact that uh, the younger women. Uh, the women that are college age and you know maybe even late high school age uh, that might... That, that, you know, could potentially want to cheer for Dolph Ziggler.
0: The ones that get the panty soup over them,
1: Right. I think you're kind of discrediting the fact that uh, a lot of them wouldn't admit to it, but a lot of them don't care if a guy treats them like crap.
0: Right, right. They like the bad boys. I understand that.
1: Yeah, and... You know, I think, I think just about everybody out there, if they really thought about it, could think of a situation where there was a girl who was with a guy who treated them like crap, not just was a bad boy, but treated the girl like crap, and the girl was still all over them.
0: Right, of course. Yeah, yeah. they have daddy issues. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree. I mean, that's not unheard of. Uh, yeah. I just think in this situation, we haven't shown Dolph... I mean, Jolf hasn't really treated her like crap except for verbally, I guess, with some of these barbs that he threw. Right. Um, I don't know. It's just... It, it struck me that he's just not going to come off as a sympathetic figure whatsoever, and I wonder if that damages his potential to be a true face. Um, and I feel like there's probably a decent chunk of the audience at this point that wants to side with AJ.
1: Um. I don't know about that. I mean, I, I certainly think that, it's, that there's a potential for it because, let's, let's face it, AJ is hot and hmm. she's pretty good in the ring and uh, she's entertaining to see on the screen. Honestly, what I think they need to do with Dolph Ziggler right now is, is distance him from Alberto Del Rio and distance him from AJ. I think they need another decently high-profile opponent for him. And I think they need to run with that. I don't know who that could be at this point, but I think they need they need to do that because you know they've already shown that uh you know he goes back and forth with Alberto del Rio and you know yeah. where's it gotten him
0: right yeah, I mean, they put on decent matches, but it's just ugh, del Rio's just just doesn't move the meter
1: yeah, and it's it's becoming a tired feud at this point, uh, yeah, so I really think you need to do something different right now, and uh, and I, I, think, I think that maybe plays a little bit into uh, the topic that we're going to get to after the break, uh, about Alberto Del Rio picking a SummerSlam opponent, but uh, they yeah. need to do something.
0: Yeah, I agree, and uh, that's definitely going to be a hot topic in the second half of the show. We want to touch on Del Rio. Apparently, he's going to be able to pick his opponent. Not really sure why they decided to do that. Uh, but you and I haven't seen spoilers, so right. we're going to go ahead and throw out our ideas, however dumb they may sound if to anyone that's read the spoilers. Um, and we'll also, like we mentioned earlier, talk about Damien Sandow and Cody Rhodes. We'll give a little bit of opinion on the Total Divas show because, of course, we both watched it. And Absolutely. And the, uh, the Wyatts and Kane, I think, definitely deserve a little time. So... Let's hit the break and we'll be right back. And that is the latest version of our World Heavyweight Champion's music there, Mr. Alberto Del Rio. I guess they got rid of the uh, little trumpet at the beginning there when he turned face. And they never really brought it back.
1: Yeah, I'm not a fan of them taking away the trumpet, but that's all right.
0: Yeah. So, for whatever reason, they've decided he can pick his opponent for the World Heavyweight Championship. I don't recall them actually giving any sort of reason. Did you notice? Did I miss that?
1: Uh, the unofficial reason is because that's what they're doing on Raw. Right, okay. And uh, the laziness yeah. of the booking team. Oh, uh, what are we doing on Raw? That's what we'll do on SmackDown.
0: Alberto Del Rio called Samesies.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. All right. So that leaves us kind of scratching our heads as to who it could be. Um, I think you said you have a strong, at least a, a relatively strong feeling about who it might be.
1: Yeah, and, and so this person is who I want it to be, and who I think they're going to ultimately pick, or that maybe they've already picked. Um, like I said, we, we uh, neither one of us read any spoilers, so I could be way off on this. Yeah. You could be way off with your pick, but uh, that's that's the price we're willing to pay to be surprised when we turn on the, the uh, you know the SmackDown feed on Friday. Uh, right. whether we're watching on TV or what have you. Um, my, my choice is Rob Van Dam, and not just because he has an awesome first name, but because I feel like this is a good opportunity for them to take his popularity, to take um, the fact that, you know, they made a big deal about his return, and put him right into the match, you know, you don't really have to keep him in the main event after that. You can let him settle back into the mid-card wherever you want him to be. Maybe put him into a tag team, do something interesting there. But I feel like before he makes the decline back into the mid-card, why not take a chance? Why not put him in the main event? Why not give Del Rio a high-profile you know, a high, you know profile opponent, an you know, opponent with a big name, and uh, and give them the title shot.
0: Yeah, uh, and it looks like I th- I'm pretty sure they fought each other on SmackDown. Uh, they did. I, I just pulled up the list. Yeah, it looks like they fought on. Yeah, last week. Yep,
1: and and that actually that actually builds into the reason why I think he will be picked, is because uh, there at the end of that match, um, it was a pretty evenly even pretty evenly fought contest, but then right at the end of the match. Uh, Del Rio was backed into a corner. He kind of put his foot over the rope or something like that. The referee backed Rob Van Dam away to kind of say, look, you you can't attack him. You know, he can get out of the corner. And then Del Rio kicked him in the head, and that's where they ended it. So there wasn't really a definitive ending. It was played up like a cheap shot, and I feel like Van Dam is going to get a, a return match because of that, and I feel like that plays into him getting a title shot.
0: Yeah, i I definitely, I definitely see that making sense. The only thing that I, that just kind of strikes me as odd about this situation is that Del Rio has to pick it. Um, you know, and you try to think about his motivations. Um, so, if I'm just thinking purely, like as Alberto Del Rio, um, I want somebody I can beat. You know, right. for sure. Uh, so I had a funny thought that maybe, you know, he tries to, like, pull a fast one and, and call out Ricardo Rodriguez. Uh, you know, and then someone would probably step in and say, you know, that's BS. You can't do that. Right. Um, and then the other thought I had was uh, that he lost to Christian on Raw. Uh, that maybe he would want revenge, you know. But, yeah, but yeah I think... I think as far as selling pay-per-view, as far as making this match mean something, RVD makes the most sense. And we don't—we probably really don't have to worry that much about Del Rio's motivations, you know, because really RVD is the best choice.
1: Yeah, and I, quite frankly, I like where your head's at with uh, picking Christian. Um, but yeah, I think, I, you know, I think they could work up a scenario where, you know, they put Rob Van Dam on the mic and he does one of two things, either... You know, he convinces Del Rio that uh, you know the injury he sustained from the kick to the head was uh, you know not necessarily as severe as what happened with Ziggler, but it was enough that it kind of set him back a little bit. Or Rob Van Dam could just straight up goad Alberto Del Rio into picking him, you know, kind of saying, you know, you beat me once; it was a fluke. Alberto Del Rio says, ah, "I, you know, I, I'm not a fluke. You're a fluke, and you know, Van yeah. could be like, you know, prove it.
0: <laughs> what do you, know? you th- What are the odds they do all this on mids TV? Right. I think pretty high, huh?
1: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, I think if you're going to have a in-rings se- segment on uh, SmackDown, I think that's kind of what you're remanded to, right? Yeah,
0: yeah. So I, I think." Uh, I think as far as a prediction, you're probably spot on with RVD. I'll throw out my hat into uh, Ricardo Rodriguez for the swerve, but you know, yeah, not yeah. that I think they would end up actually wrestling, but just that, that's who he would say.
1: Yeah, and, and honestly, um, I, I could really see Christian as being the one who gets picked ultimately. Um, I hope he doesn't go back to the whole one more match thing because um, I think Christian's better than that. Yeah. But... Uh, Yeah, I'd like to see something like that happen.
0: All right. Well, we know uh, Del Rio's somewhat of a diva himself, uh, but we've got some actual divas that we wanted to touch on (laughs) in a lot of different ways. (laughs) Uh, The new E! show, Total Divas, uh, pretty much the uh, new Kardashians with the Bellas. Yes. Um, And then, you know, they... Put in the Funkadactyls, which seems like a good set of divas to add, they throw in Natalia as the veteran, which is kind of an interesting choice, and then the two newbies, uh, Jojo and Eva Marie. Uh, so, you know, like any warm-blooded man, I went ahead and checked it out. I'm not going to say I've never watched Kardashians. <laughs> Uh So... I don't know. I mean, I thought the show was definitely interesting. You, you got to see some of our our favorite actual wrestlers behind the scenes, uh, so that bodes well for it holding our interest. I think. Um, but uh, you know, what did you think about it? It's, did you come away with any, you know, major thoughts or you know, feelings about?
1: it? <laughs> well, <laughs> I was entertained by it uh, to a certain degree. I I love the backstage stuff. Um, yeah, I probably like the backstage stuff just about as much as I like the in-ring stuff. Um, but I mean, I mean, clearly, this uh, this backstage stuff, you know, it was it was a little bit of uh, you know the truth and you know the reality part of it coming through. But there was there was a lot of staged stuff going on. There was a lot of um, I don't know. It was. It, it had its moments where it was just as uh, scripted as, uh, you know, what we see on Raw.
0: Yeah, and I think there were two two things that stood out that I've, I've noticed people discussing. Um, in particular, I've noticed, you know, a lot of people questioning whether the match was canceled at WrestleMania uh, that was supposed to feature the Bellas and Funkadactyls. People questioning whether it was canceled for the show. Yeah. Um, that they all along—not that the divas knew, but that WWE knew they were going to cancel it um, to force them to react to it or something like that for the show, since the cameras were there.
1: That's that's definitely an interesting perspective. It's not something that um, that I had kind of thought was the case. Um,
0: yeah, and I mean, and I've you know I've seen some discussion on, on our uh, favorite forum, Squared Circle, there on Reddit, uh, and it seems to me, and I agree with what has kind of come out as a consensus that, you know, they rushed the entrances for The Rock and John Cena. Uh, They threw in that, like, Special Olympics thing. I mean, there was a lot of stuff that seemed like it messed with the time on Mania. And it felt to me that it got cut out legitimately. I don't think that was completely scripted at all. It just happened to work out well that they had the cameras and they could use it on the show.
1: Right, and and I think, you know, they made a comment that uh, the match... The match before that went a little long, and yeah. uh, you know, as I look at the WrestleMania card, it looks like Triple H versus Brock Lesnar was the one that uh, that was right before the right before the Cena Rock main event. And 23 minutes and 58 seconds, as Wikipedia lists it,
0: yeah.
1: is a long time for Triple H and Brock Lesnar to have wrestled. Yeah. Um, I personally would have had that match go, I don't know, six or seven minutes shorter than that. Um, I think you could have told a more compelling match in less in less time yeah. than that. But the thing, the thing about that that interests me is that it's Triple H and Brock Lesnar, two very big names. Shawn Michaels is involved. And that match was essentially given the exact same amount of time that John Cena and The Rock got. Right. So it's not like you can have Triple H and Brock Lesnar go for 24 minutes, and then John Cena and The Rock go for 16.
0: Yeah, well, I think if you look at, I think if you look at past WrestleManias, you'll see things like that. Though, like, I, you know, the uh, the Undertaker, Triple H went way longer than the Miz and John Cena. Right. Uh, you know, things like that. But I, I you know, Rock is different than John, than the Miz, but whatever. Sure. But. Let's get back to the Total Divas, though. Uh, I I definitely think that was a legitimate thing. The one that I didn't really think was legitimate at all was uh, when they sat Natalia down, right? And, like you're not going to have a WrestleMania match, yeah. and it's like, it, girl doesn't even have Raw matches or SmackDown matches. Like, right. what? You know, on what planet would she ever think that she was going to be scheduled for WrestleMania anyway? Yeah, and uh, that that seemed. Totally scripted to show like the trials and tribulations of a veteran,
1: right? And and how is it that a week before WrestleMania, if not less time than that, you know, she's already she already knows she's doing the fan access. You know, she she saw Stephanie, you know, that day or whatever, and she'd already talked about um, you know some speech that Stephanie gave, and she was off. You know, she didn't get to see it live because she was off doing whatever else.
0: Access signing, yeah.
1: Yeah, so how is it that Natalia gets that far into the uh, preparation for WrestleMania and somehow thinks she's going to have a match that's worth anything, right?
0: Right, yeah.
1: There's there's no chance. I mean, if she's going to have a WrestleMania match, she's going to know at least two weeks ahead of time. She's going to know, oh, I'm involved in this storyline. This storyline's probably going to be put into a match at WrestleMania.
0: Yeah, I mean, the only thing she could have legitimately hoped for was like one of those stupid diva Battle Royals yeah where it's completely chaotic and nobody actually does a wrestling move so i mean it's i mean what what was she really missing <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess the outfit getting right. excited about that
1: yeah so I, I think i mean that was definitely the point of the show where i was like okay totally scripted i mean there was some silly stuff that uh, i think it was nikki bella was doing with john cena so oh I was god like, let's reenact the scene from the notebook
0: you know yeah. most of the
1: people watching the show haven't seen The Notebook. I mean, don't get me wrong, the regular audience that uh, tunes into the E! Network, they've all seen The Notebook. But that show didn't get the highest ratings in E!'s history or, you know, the past couple years of E! because of the the chicks that usually watch E! Right. So the guys that were tuning in, we've never seen The Notebook. I mean, I've I've seen well over a thousand movies... I've never seen the notebook, right? right. <laughs> I mean, and that was totally a staged, you know, staged situation. I mean, were were they really fishing? Were they really out in the rain? Were they really reenacting the notebook?
0: I mean, I've seen I've seen the Jungle Book, but I ain't seen no notebook. There you go. Yeah, I, and the it was all forced. Like the lines from Cena just seemed really forced. Where he's like, "Wow, that's quite a fishing outfit you have," or right. like. I would never do this in the rain with anyone else. Yeah. You know, it's like, wow, it's so romantic. It's like, yeah, yep. I can tell you two are like peas in a pod. Right. You know.
1: Which is sad because, you know, a lot of people don't like John Cena uh, for various reasons, you know, Super super Cena or whatever. Um, I, you know, actually, I, I kind of like the guy, but uh, I definitely lost some respect for him uh, <laughs> from what I saw in this episode.
0: Yeah, and I think he said, or at least I read somewhere that he had tweeted, you know, like, those those of you uh, that hate me are going to get some extra ammunition from the show. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, and the other thing was when they're at dinner and she's like, you know, people will date for a while. I want some sort of commitment or whatever. And he's like, his responses were just so horrible. I mean, right. the only one that made any sense was like, you know, I've tried that before. I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. But when he's saying stuff like I do things with do that I would never done or I'd never do with anyone, you know, and it's just like, wow, he's grasping. And it makes yeah. you wonder. It's like, he just got divorced. right? You know, I mean, are they paired up for the sake of the show?
1: <laughs> yeah. I mean, it certainly seems like that's a possibility. Um, I'm not going to go out, go out there and say that, uh, that that's absolutely what's going on. But, uh, yeah, I mean, his line about uh, I would I would never get up and go fishing with somebody else. It's right. like, okay, first of all, if that's true, you're completely lame. Right. Like, like what's the big deal about going and, and fishing?
0: Well, that you would know. interrupt lat day.
1: Yeah, yeah. So it's it's kind of like. Yeah. Uh, you know, so what was the point of that whole entire uh, the whole entire thing that that he doesn't like to do well, regular type of things. With chicks?
0: Well, clearly, I mean, they're obviously going to play out the angle where she's looking for a commitment. He's not going to give it, uh, you know, and then you're, it's going to be contrasted with Bree and Daniel Bryan being all happy together, yeah, you know, looking like they actually fit together because they actually are dating as opposed to this set-up relationship between John Cena and Nikki Bella. Yeah. Uh, but the one other uh, scene that I thought was was pretty hilarious, I'm, I'm sure it stuck out to you a little, was... Uh, when uh, Cameron's boyfriend was backstage.
1: Oh, yeah, when he wanted to fight Brodus?
0: Yeah, because apparently he told her, you know, that she sucks, which she does. Right. So (laughs) this guy's like, nobody talks to my girl that way. You know, like just complete guido about it. Yeah.
1: Uh, I mean, do you buy that that actually happened, that Brodus sucked? I kind of do. Okay.
0: Yeah. I I, I don't think that would have been scripted.
1: So, so what about this? What if, uh, what if the reason why the match was canceled is because during that dress rehearsal where Brutus told her she was terrible, what if somebody saw the match and was like, "Yeah, we can't put this shit on WrestleMania, <laughs> right?" I mean, yeah. what if, what if they legitimately told the uh, the seamstresses, "Hey, you know what? Don't worry about uh, rushing through to get those." Uh, those uh, sequins on their booty shorts because right. they're not going to the ring you, you can make that your last priority of the night
0: right exactly I, they I, I believe that's very I believe that's very possible and I also think that the reason it's positioned between Triple H and uh, and uh, Brock Lesnar and, and the the rock John Cena is because they they need something there that they can cut out if they have to oh absolutely you know that's that's the whole reason it's put in that spot
1: yeah and I feel like I feel like back in I feel like back in the day, there were some Divas matches that were put between, you know, whatever the, the match was and uh, the main event, and, you know, the Divas match got like a minute and a half. Right. It's like, whoa, shit, that match is over already? That's crazy. Not that I care, but that's crazy.
0: Yeah. You know? Right. So, yeah, it's just very odd sometimes when they do that. Yeah. So... so uh,
1: what, what did you think of the other Divas?
0: <clears throat> um... I think Eva Marie is, is definitely interesting. Oh yeah. Um, I think the red hair is awesome.
1: Yep. Totally yeah. glad she's not a blonde.
0: Yeah, and it, she's she's clearly got spunk. You know, she slapped uh, Jerry Lawler for everyone the other day. Um, so yeah, I think she could be interesting. The JoJo thing, she seems totally out of place. Uh, and I guess Justin Gabriel's <laughs> trying to mac on that. I don't know if you saw in the preview.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to all the drama that's coming next week that doesn't seem to have a lot of the Daniel Bryan and uh, John Cena aspect to it because I'm looking forward to getting to know the other ones a little bit. And, uh, yeah, the Justin Gabriel JoJo thing, Yeah. definitely (laughs) interested to see what's going on with that. That's hilarious. Yeah.
0: Uh, (laughs) And then Natalia and, I guess, Tyson Kidd, that was. Yeah, yeah. She's coming out in her lingerie.
1: Right, right, right. And then he just sits there like, you know, she's... She she I think she said something about uh, you know you, you just treat me like one of your friends yeah. <laughs> it's like
0: giving her nuggies and
1: Right right well I think I think they just got married the other weekend
0: right Oh, Okay couple, I didn't hear that week...
1: Yeah um God, when was it uh Yeah I guess a, a couple week a couple weeks ago they uh they apparently got married
0: No all right well I guess we know where that's going
1: Yeah yeah, yeah so it looks like it turns out uh, better for them than it did with uh, Jimmy Uso and um, whoever whoever he was with.
0: Yeah. Right? Uh, Naomi? The other, yeah, Naomi, yeah. Yeah. I guess they're using their real names for them, but not for the Bellas. Uh, not for... Well, I guess that is her real name, Natalia. But. Yeah. Anyway, it's, it's weird how they're kind of like using the real names for some people and not for others, but... Right. It's probably uh,
1: not we don't care about the Funkadactyls yet.
0: Pretty much. Uh, and so that match got cut out, but unfortunately, two guys that we really enjoy watching were also cut out of uh, that match at WrestleMania, which is Mr. Money in the Bank, Damian Sandow, and his former partner uh, and fellow scholar, Mr. Cody Rhodes.
1: Yeah, and, and looking back at it, uh, I don't really care that they canceled that match. But at the time, I know both of us were really disappointed and, and rightfully so because, you know, the, the final Raw and Smackdown before Wrestlemania, they actually had some really entertaining stuff between those those eight. I mean, I, I don't know if you recall, but uh, yeah. they had the segment where the Bellas came out with their uh, with their shorts padded to look like uh, the Funkadactyls <laughs> and was uh, great. Cody and uh, Damian Sandow were, were all decked out to look like tons of funk. So, yeah, it was, it was certainly disappointing at the time, but, you know, five years from now, we'll look back and say, well, at least we didn't have to watch the Funkadactyls wrestle.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so, uh, and as we've suspected for a long time, uh, looks like we finally got a full-on Cody Rhodes, Damian Sandow feud here. Yes. Uh, we got some real good stuff from them on SmackDown, especially. Um, you had Sandow Wrestling... Uh, who was a Christian? Can't remember who um, it was.
1: Honestly, I, I can't be bothered to remember who he was fighting. But yeah, he uh, definitely
0: lost either way. Uh, yeah. and Cody comes out, takes the briefcase. This is at the beginning of the of the of the show, and uh, <clears throat> he disappears. And then throughout SmackDown, we have these great vignettes of Sandow just you know running through the backstage area you know, like, <clears throat> coming up to Sin Cara and, and Booker T, which was probably the best interaction, uh, and just being like, you know, where's Cody, and just going insane. I like that that throwback to the backstage segments, we just, we don't see enough of that stuff.
1: Yeah, no, it was definitely awesome, and, and he got more intense with each one, it wasn't just like, you know, goofy like they sometimes, you know, are, where, um, you know, where is he? You know, yeah. it's like, like yeah okay he had that line with uh, Sin Cara where he said you know he basically knocked him for for not uh, being able to talk or whatever right but uh, yeah no it was definitely uh, definitely entertaining
0: um, but yeah, yeah and then uh, well and then we find out later that uh, that Rhodes is out you know by the Gulf of Mexico <laughs> right <laughs> which I'm sure everyone immediately thought of Steve Austin and The Rock with the bridge.
1: Oh, absolutely.
0: Yeah, not quite the same, but uh, it definitely harkened back to that. And, and so I was like, oh, this is awesome. <laughs> I can't wait yeah. to see what happens.
1: Yeah, it feels like it's not its not the first time that it's been right there in that same exact spot on the banks of uh, the Gulf of Mexico either. Um, yeah,
0: I, I, I read someone say that. I think it was during a time period I wasn't watching, but apparently it's happened before.
1: Yeah, I want to. I want to say edge, maybe. I don't know. I'll have to yeah. I'll have to look back and uh, see what I can remember. But somebody uh, can
0: let us know if they're actually listening. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I'll, I'll, yeah. Fi-
1: I'll find out before anybody gets back to us. I guarantee you that.
0: All right. So <laughs> so you know, Rhodes goes out there, or I mean, uh, Sandow goes out there after him. Um, he's trying to apologize, and he's throwing out all these lines, and. The, the one I liked the best was he was like, uh, you have better, better facial hair than me. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, right. like just trying to get on his good side. Uh, and then Cody eventually flips it in, and we get the uh, I can't swim, and he jumps in anyway. That was really good stuff, I thought.
1: Yeah. Yeah, kind of a little unrealistic that at this point, you know, that, I, that an athlete like Damien said now can't swim. Right. But uh, I do like the fact that he jumps in anyway, even though he's playing it up like you can't swim. Thought right. that was that was a nice touch.
0: Yeah, show the desperation. Yeah. And that's not probably a good spot to jump in. <laughs> I doubt that water is clean at all.
1: Yeah, right off the highway like that, probably
0: not. Yeah, so he took one for the team there with that. Yeah. Now, I guess they didn't show him with the briefcase on Raw. So okay. we're thinking, or at least we don't know yet, I don't think, whether or not the briefcase was recovered.
1: I don't know. I I guess you know. Even if they do play it up that the uh, briefcase is is somewhere, you know, 20 feet out from uh, from the edge, uh, even if they say it's at the bottom of the Gulf of Mexico, uh, do they still honor the fact that he won the the contract?
0: Yeah, that's what I'm wondering. Well, I'm not saying yeah that they will. I'm just wondering what they're going to do with that because obviously, with the way I'm, I'm actually pretty sure they recorded Rob before they recorded SmackDown.
1: Okay.
0: Uh so all that stuff that happened on SmackDown was the next day, so the fans hadn't seen it, and so he doesn't really reference it that much, other than just saying you threw the briefcase in. They didn't really show a video package, and they didn't say anything directly about whether it was recovered. Uh, but Sando did cut a nice little promo there, where he he called out Rhodes' family, um, talking about you come from a family of clowns, and you know he doesn't want to associate with carny folk. Right which I thought was awesome. That yeah. was, like, the perfect oh, yeah. way to put it.
1: Yes, especially because there's there's a little bit of truth to it, right? I mean, absolutely. sure, sure Dusty Rhodes is is one of the... Uh, I, I'd put him in the top 20, you know, all times in, ter- in terms of, you know, well, maybe in the past 35 years in terms of guys that deserve some respect for what they did in the business. But, uh, yeah, I mean, there were certainly some times where he was... He was more of a sideshow act than anything else, and uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean that 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 doesn't come close to to uh, what uh, Goldust <laughs> accomplished. Yeah, when we use that term. So.
0: Yeah, and absolutely, and I, I just happened to be watching. Uh, there's this series called like WWE. I think it was WWE at the time, Legends Wrestling, and they have like a panel, of four guys, and it was usually like. Uh, Gene Oakland with four other guys, and so one of them was him. With uh, it was it was Dusty Rhodes, and uh, gosh, who was the other ones? Like maybe Bobby? No, not Bobby the Brain. Uh, somebody else that was a commentator at some point. But anyway, it was a whole panel of guys, and they they were talking about uh, crazy characters, and they got to the subject of Gold Dust, and Dusty Rhodes was like. He was so against it, you know, because he was like, "I just don't want this to be, the way his career goes," you know. And it, it was really interesting to hear him say, it, "I'll have to provide the link," but uh, you know. And then he, but then he ended up praising him, saying that he actually managed to be fairly successful with it, uh, right. which he was. I mean, he was never world champion, but I think most people respect his character and the work that he did.
1: Yeah. Um, it but, looks but like th- the- good. It looks like, from what I've found, that uh, that if they're talking about the worst characters that they've seen, if that was one of the uh, topics that they were doing, yeah, it looks like that show probably involved Michael Hayes.
0: Michael Hayes, not, that's what I was thinking of.
1: And Pat Patterson. Right. And uh, probably Mick Foley.
0: Yeah, that's exactly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, I just wanted to... That was an aside. I'll, I'll actually have to figure out where I... I saw that on YouTube. I should post it on our Facebook page, because it's a good watch. Excellent. But, um, so anyway, I thought that was a great line from Sandow, and I'm wondering, do you think there's any chance this leads to our good friend Goldust jumping into the feud somehow?
1: I would, I would love it if he, uh, if he came back just for at least one match. I mean, I think they could stretch it out and have him, uh, you know, have Sandow face Goldust at a pay-per-view. Um, uh, you know, just, just something. Because I think Goldust probably still has at least something to offer. Uh, for the business, yeah. But uh, I do too. I mean, I, I don't want that to be the long term feud. I don't think uh, I don't think that's what you're trying to insinuate there. But uh, no,
0: no. But it was. I, I think the takeaway from that little segment on Raw was that you know maybe they're going to bring his family into it. Uh, be Dusty's cool. been very involved with uh, NXT. I think he's been like the general manager down there.
1: Oh, very nice.
0: So they could potentially both show up at some point. Uh, and they would get big pops, and that would help with Cody's face turn, I would think.
1: Oh yeah, it couldn't. It certainly couldn't hurt. Um, and uh, I don't know. I, I don't know who you put with uh, Damian Sandow at that point, but uh, yeah. Maybe you don't have to. Maybe maybe we're not looking at a six man tag scenario here. Maybe we're just uh, looking at a scenario where you know.
0: Yeah, I'm not. I'm not thinking they would necessarily jump in the ring, but at least be part of a few promos leading into SummerSlam would be really cool.
1: Yeah, although, gotta be honest, if uh, if it's Dusty Rhodes outside the ring with, uh, with Cody Rhodes tagging with Gold Dust, I don't know about you, but I would love to see, uh, I would love to see Damian Sandow tag up with Curtis Axel. I think that...
0: Yeah, that could potentially be a guy that would fit with him. You know, he's got a be paired with someone of a certain refinement, uh, and Axel went ahead and called himself better than perfect. yep On uh, on RAW, I believe. Yep. So, right. I think we wanted yeah. to touch a little on on Axel.
1: Yeah, I, I don't know if you wanted to uh, to touch on Axel now. I think I think uh, a good way to end the show is definitely going to be to talk about uh, the other topic that we have next. But uh, yeah, I think I think. Uh, I think I think Curtis Axel is definitely making a name for himself. Um, I love I love the line that he's more perfect than perfect. Yeah. Um, you know, and and to me, uh, obviously, um, I feel like this is a good spot for Paul Heyman. He's certainly one of the best on the mic. Uh, I think everyone would agree that Curtis Axel has a little little room to grow in terms of being great on the mic. Uh, yeah. I think he's certainly making some strides but he's not there yet. And Paul Heyman certainly is not coming out every week with Brock Lesnar cuz Lesnar's not there every week and uh, so I feel like this is a really good spot for Paul Heyman. He's he's certainly helping Curse Axel out.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. It gives it gives Heyman someone to manage and it obviously is helping Axel a ton. And he certainly has potential to be a guy that, you know, has a nice run, maybe a world heavyweight title or two. Uh, yeah, I've liked I've liked watching him. I well, uh, I'm curious to see where it goes. Uh, and I think probably after SummerSlam, I don't know that they're going to get him involved in much going into SummerSlam. Probably just a token title defense. But I'm thinking after SummerSlam, he might end up with a decent storyline. I'm sure we'll spend a lot of time talking about how he's developed at that point.
1: Yeah, I think. I think right now, you know, the, he's had some matches with, what, Jericho, I think. And uh, I think The Miz, he had some yeah. matches with The Miz. Now, right now, there's not much going on with him, what, facing uh, R-Truth. You know, certainly yeah. a, a decent competitor, but not somebody that's uh, certainly going to raise his stature at all. Sure. Uh, and
0: R-Truth was involved in our final topic that I think we should probably jump into before we run out of time here. Uh which is the Y family. Yep. Uh, he was one of their victims, and their initial victim was Kane. Uh, he was out of action for a couple weeks, comes back, faces Daniel Bryan. Fortunately, we couldn't talk a whole lot about that, but Bryan gets the win and kind of a similar finish that he had with Cesaro with the uh, chokeslam into a roll up, yep. which was pretty sweet. And then uh, immediately after, Kane retaliates with the choke chokeslam, and. We get the Wyatt family coming out. I liked, I don't know about you, I liked how when the lights came up, Kane immediately went after Bray.
1: Yeah, I thought that was definitely uh, definitely a strong point of what they did because, you know, the guys were in the ring. We've seen it all before. You know, obviously he wants to go after Bray Wyatt, but does he do that? A lot of other guys in a lot of other similar situations would be overwhelmed by the other guys in the ring, kind of divert their attention, then never get the chance to go after Bray Wyatt. But I yeah. love the fact that the first thing Kane does when the lights come back up runs and slides out of the ring.
0: Yeah, exactly. And it, and it shows that there was some thought put into it, you know, that obviously if you're going to be attacked in this way, that's you know that's one way to get out of it. Um, so, yeah, but they go ahead and take care of him. You know, he fought valiantly, whatever. And then, uh, you know, Bray cuts a, yet another promo on him does this nice little uh, finisher, which I think is great. It's it's so kind of like cultish, you know, where he's like he's trying to indoctrinate someone. Yep. Um, so it's a great finisher and another pretty good promo talking about, you know, you're the devil, you call yourself the devil's favorite demon. You know, you shouldn't say things like that. You never know who might be listening. Right. Um which, I don't know, I guess that's implying that he's the devil. I, I'm not sure what it's, that's totally implying, but I'm not a, a, liter, a literary uh, critic here.
1: <laughs> yeah, and neither am I, but that's that's essentially the same same thing I picked up on. So uh, Yeah. So that's, that's our official Guys Nation Wrestling Podcast interpretation of what happened.
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. Our feeble brains can, can't really wrap our heads around it. But, yeah. you know, so what do you think? Uh, are they going to have... A match, or are we going to see uh, Kane just kind of join their side without even having a match?
1: You know, I, I think with this being SummerSlam, I feel like they're going to have Bray Wyatt versus Kane. I feel like if it was a bigger name uh, than than Bray Wyatt, you know, if it was if this was a situation where the guy that uh, was goading Kane was was somebody that. Was coming into the situation with, you know, considerable clout behind their name. You know, if it was, you know, if it was Raven, you know, right. and he was coming from uh, WCW at the time or ECW. I feel like, I feel like maybe, if it wasn't a big pay-per-view like Summerslam, maybe we'd get a situation where uh, Kane would be fighting one of the underlings at the pay-per-view and whatever, building up to a big match. But I think at this point, because I think pretty much everyone is assuming that Kane is eventually going to become a member of the Wyatt family. Yeah. Uh, whether it's long-term or uh, a month or two here or there, I think I think they need to just go ahead and have this match because I think enough people will be interested to see it. Um,
0: yeah, and I think people certainly want to see Wyatt wrestle. Oh, uh, yeah. We just got to see his followers, but... You know, eventually sure. you want to see him in the ring. Now, let me throw a curveball at you to, to, to chew on to end okay. the show here. Um, this is something that just popped in my head, so, you know, feel free to tell me I'm nuts. And I'm quite sure that this would uh, highly disappoint a large portion of our audience, all six of you. Uh, <laughs> what if... Kane does join the Wyatts or there's some sort of he disappears something to where we're not actually set up to have a Kane wide match at rest, or, or at SummerSlam. Um so there's kind of an ambiguity there as to whether Kane's joined them or maybe he already has. And then during the John Cena Daniel Bryan match, the lights happen Kane fucks it up for Daniel Bryan oof yeah
1: I, I, I think you're nuts uh, <laughs> no I'm just I'm, just I'm not up. saying uh, like
0: his uh, I'm not saying his Kane music but but that really. this would be the first reveal that he's joined the Wyatt family and I'm not sure exactly how it would go physically to, to screw with Bryan um, but because here's the thing if he's joining the Wyatt family they've got to have uh, some sort of direction for him. Like the Wyatts, they've got to have something that they want him to do right? to prove himself. or You know, there's got to be like, usually with a cult like that, there's some sort of test where you have to renounce your prior relationships. Um, so, I don't know. Maybe that won't happen at SummerSlam. Maybe that's a feud for Brian and after he loses or something. But, I don't know. I was just throwing that out there. You know, maybe this is a way to kind of really push the, uh, the Kane-Brian feud. Uh, I don't know. It's just something yeah, I'm thinking
1: no, and, of. And uh, just to show you that I don't actually think you're nuts for thinking about this, um, you mentioned earlier in the show that, uh, you know, I had those two questions for you. Uh, whether or not uh, there could be another daniel Bryan versus Kane match or whether we'd seen kind of the end of that. Yeah. You were saying that uh, Kane is probably going to be, you know, in the thick of things with... Um, with the Wyatt family going forward, so probably not. Well, I think in September at Battle Lines, I think that's where you have Daniel Bryan versus Kane with Kane as a member of the the Wyatt family.
0: Yeah, yeah, Uh, easily could see that. Because I do think, and I don't know about you, and obviously we need to wrap up here, but I do think that uh, there's a decent chance Bryan ends up going back to feud with Kane after SummerSlam. Uh, so this would probably set... This is, you know, possibly all this stuff that's happening with the Wyatts is is setting up for that.
1: Yeah, and and I I honestly think that, um, you know, WWE has this crutch where if they want to do something interesting or that they think is interesting the night after a pay-per-view, they just give you a rematch from the pay-per-view. So I could very easily see something happening at SummerSlam where, you know, John Cena ends up retaining from Daniel Bryan or something. Controversial finish. Yeah, and then they have a, a rematch on Raw. You know, even if even if Randy Orton cashes in the, the briefcase, whatever. Right. Um, they could still have another John Cena Daniel Bryan match the night after. Sure. <laughs> they, they they could have Randy Orton versus Daniel Bryan the night after SummerSlam and that's when you could get the whole thing where Keane shows up.
0: Interferes. Yeah, actually, I think I think this sets up perfectly for. I think the initial thing you said, if if there's a controversial finish, where John Cena grants Daniel Bryan a rematch on Raw, that's when Kane naps it up, and then yeah. that's when you set up for the Kane Daniel Bryan feud. There we go. Yep, could totally see that. Well, we hear Kane's music in the background, so that is time to wrap up this show. Uh, I guess we'll be back at the same bad time, same back channel next week if you want to uh, give us any questions or comments. Uh, obviously this hopefully is posted on Reddit and our Facebook page, Guys Nation Wrestling. Uh, and then we got Tweeters. There we go. Which I guess is Guys Nation Wrestling as well.
1: Yeah, it's it's uh probably G N wrestling, just based on uh you know the the character limits. But uh Yeah, just make sure that you get those questions to us sometime before Tuesday afternoon because we do uh, we do end up taping this, uh, recording this, whatever you want to call it, on uh, Tuesday nights.
0: Yep. All right. Well, that wraps up another edition. I'll see you next week.
1: Have a good one.